Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, today we begin a brand new series called A Mission for Ministry. So, let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, Why We Do Back to the Bible. to the Bible was a ministry started in the year 1939 in the state of Nebraska by the preacher Theodore H. Epp. The first office in Canada began in 1954, somewhere around then. Furthermore, back to the Bible as an international ministry had offices then in 15 different countries. Back to the Bible was always about teaching the Bible verse by verse, understanding it in context showing its intended meaning when it was originally given, and then making application to the lives of real people today. You know, all of this was done with an emphasis on Christ and his gospel of salvation. And people listened. You know, simply hearing the Bible taught was a life-transforming experience. Every day, people would turn on their radio to hear Theodore Rep explaining the Bible in a way that people could understand. Lives were changed, people were one to Christ. You know, I once had a conversation with a great New Testament scholar, Dr. D.A. Carson. And Dr. Carson told me that many years ago when he was young, he had a conversation with a woman who was one to Christ in the great Welsh revival. She lived in a village without an evangelical church and had lived there for many years. He asked her, how do you sustain your spiritual life? And she told him, I've been listening to Back to the Bible every day for years and I'm sustained. That's one story, only one. And there have been countless stories like that. In that sense, nothing has really changed. I'm just the next generation of Bible teachers here at Back to the Bible Canada. Yeah, it's true. Back to the Bible is now organized differently than when it began, and you'd expect that. Back to the Bible Canada is independent. And furthermore, Back to the Bible Canada is now heard in 20 nations of the world. But I'm reminded that what I, as a Bible teacher, am doing really hasn't changed a lot since the days of Theodore Epp. Still a verse-by-verse Bible teaching with the gospel of Jesus at the core, understanding the Bible in its context and making application to our lives today. But is it still needed? Does a new generation have any need for it? Or are we simply doing a legacy ministry, perpetuating a history of what's been done before? And furthermore, given that we're still on the radio, low-tech radio, are we just perpetuating an older form of communication? Well, for starters, yet we're on radio. Well, then, does anyone still listen to the radio? Well, new data from Nielsen says that radio isn't going away at all. In 2019, a report in the U.S., Nielsen found that 92% of the population still listens to the radio every week. And here's an interesting note. Only 87% consume television every week. But, of course, if you're listening to Back to the Bible Canada, you'll know we're committed to our radio partners in Canada, several border stations in the U.S., but also in India and the Caribbean and other places as well. But we're also available on podcasts, on YouTube, apps and smartphones and webmail. And yeah, we think we're doing something vital. And over the next two weeks, I'm breaking from my weekly Bible teaching, and I want to tell you why this thing is still important. It's very, very important. Indeed, we're not just holding on, hoping that the legacy keeps going until it finally dies. Rather, what we're doing is growing. It's thriving. Let me start with a dream I had for my land, a dream I've nurtured for a great many years. But before I do, let me set my dream in context. 
when Sir John A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of the newly formed nation of Canada, first met with Queen Victoria, he promised the Queen that the nation of Canada would be a Christian nation. Canada was called a dominion, the dominion of Canada. Psalm 72 verse 8 was referenced. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, that verse seemed appropriate then. May the God of the Bible have dominion from sea to sea. And Canada applied that to itself from the Atlantic to the Pacific. We don't need to recount the massive changes in thinking that have occurred. From the time of confederation of a new nation in the year 1867 until the present, Canada is a very different country today. Very few today would make the argument that Canada is a Christian nation. It most certainly is not. Unless you get the idea that back to the Bible, Canada is hearkening back to the good old days, think again. This ministry has absolutely nothing to do with bringing back a bygone era, either in the history of a nation or in the history of this ministry. Times have changed, and God in his sovereignty oversees the development of nations, whether for good or ill. Because we now live in a mostly secular nation, the context in which we carry on this ministry today is an amazingly different context than when Theodore Epp first founded this ministry. As I've already said, this is not a heritage ministry. We're not even slightly hearkening back to the old days. Indeed, let me put it personally. I have far better things to do with my time than to perpetuate a bygone era, an era that ain't coming back. See, I can't imagine that within my lifetime or the lifetime of my kids or my grandkids that my nation is going to return to its Christian roots. Yeah, I do weep over the direction we have taken, but we do not live in an era where some 90% of Canadians go to church on Sunday. And furthermore, I don't even believe I can exert much influence at all in how this nation develops into the future. But that doesn't mean I don't have a dream. And here goes. My dream is that one day, it would be impossible to live in this country without having to decide what to do with Jesus. I want Jesus in his gospel to be so prevalent in its influence in this nation that it's heard from sea to sea. And by the way, that's a great vision for other nations in which we're heard as well. As you may know, Back to the Bible Canada is also heard in some places in the U.S. It's heard in India, many other Eastern and Near Eastern countries, as well as the Caribbean. And so my prayer is that God would also graciously grant Christians in other nations to pray for the same thing in regard to their own nation. Oh God, in your mercy, make the gospel of Jesus so widely heard that every man, woman, and child would have access to the saving news of Jesus and not just access, but would have heard it presented in such a way that a saving response to Jesus was possible for them. Now, before we ask how Back to the Bible Canada fits into that vision, let's stop and consider what that means. I'm reading Romans 10, 14 to 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, as you can see from that text, Paul is asking four rhetorical questions about the saving news of Jesus. They're rhetorical questions because we all know what the answer is to be. But let's follow the questions through. How then will anyone come to Christ and experience the joy of sins forgiven and reconciliation with God 
and purpose and meaning in this life and the eternal hope in glory. How will they come to Christ if they have not believed on Christ? See, I say that's a rhetorical question because Paul's hearers were supposed to know the answer. They don't experience eternal life unless they've believed on Jesus, and that's the fundamental starting point of all ministries like ours. We're not presenting Christ as an add-on. You know what I mean? We don't think that Jesus is a good choice in a world of multiple options. We're not presenting Jesus to grab our fair share of the market of the world of religious ideas. We're not even presenting Jesus as the best option out there. We're presenting Jesus to a lost and dying world with an understanding that faith in Christ is the only hope for the lost and ruined human condition. So that's Paul's first question. How do people call on Jesus for forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God when they've never believed on him in the first place? And the answer is they can't. And that leads to Paul's second question. If it's essential that they believe in Jesus, and then how are they to believe on Jesus if they've never heard who he is? Understand that the answer to this question is they can't believe if they never have heard. Stop and consider the plight of so many people in our country. How can they hear of Jesus? In school or university? Technical institutes? Trade schools? No. They won't hear about him there. How about government agencies? Again, no word of Jesus from that. How about various media outlets? No, there's not one piece of useful information there. Sometimes Jesus is mentioned in the media, but the truth of Jesus is absent there. The most crucial issue that men and women in our country will ever face in this life is that Jesus saves from the crushing consequences of sin. Yet they will not hear one word of this in every major area of society. Now, it's key to understand that people can hear from the thousands of churches that dot our nation. That is true. And furthermore, if the people in those thousands of churches are being well-trained, there can be no doubt they are being used to share the saving news of the gospel with family members, work colleagues, classmates in universities, business contacts, other places. Furthermore, men and women, boys and girls are being invited to hear the gospel from the pulpits of our land. But we need to maximize our message. That's where Back to the Bible Canada comes in. It does provide one more voice, a voice for scripture that's being well heard in this land. June is one of the most significant months of the year financially for the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada. Like every family, individual, and organization across the country, we've had to adjust our expenses this past year. But despite the challenges and because of your consistent support, we continue to be committed to making all of our Bible teaching programming and resources available without interruption. To help maintain this commitment, a group of generous ministry supporters who share our heart for Bible teaching have offered to double your gifts this month. The June ministry target for our fiscal year end is $325,000. Would you help to provide a financial gift towards that goal? Remember, every dollar you give will be matched up to $75,000, so your gift has doubled the impact. To make your fiscal year-end gift today, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.
Are we at Back to the Bible Canada the only answer to fill the land with the gospel? Of course not. But we play one part in making the name of Jesus heard in context of the teachings of the Bible. We know that believers are being encouraged, and we also know there are a great many non-Christians who are listening. And if that's you, thank you for listening. If you continue to listen, we'll make the Bible come alive for you, and you'll find that this book will transform your life. Indeed, this book will lead you to Jesus. Let's listen to Paul's third rhetorical question. How are they going to hear about Jesus without someone preaching? God has appointed that the news about Jesus should be proclaimed not by government or educational institutions, but by preaching. And then the final question, how are they to preach if they are not sent? Someone has to stand behind the preacher, making it possible for him to declare the good news. Well, in the context of Romans, Paul will make an appeal to them that they become involved in sending him to Spain to preach the gospel there. But whether it's Paul or anyone else, God has so ordained it that the preaching of the gospel is never an individualistic event. Preachers may preach inside church buildings, or they may preach in the open air, in large stadiums, or they may preach in various media outlets that occur. But partners are required. Bills have to be paid. Opportunities, if they are to be exploited, do require a group of people sending the preacher. As the Bible teacher for Back to the Bible Canada, I am aware of the importance of an organization that makes access to media outlets possible. I'm aware of the countless men and women who have realized that what happens in this ministry is one tool to make the gospel known in this land so that one day, if God's merciful, it will be impossible to live in this nation without hearing Jesus and his gospel presented in such a way as to bring about the need to decide what to do with Jesus. Over the next two weeks, I want to take some time to address two issues that I think will interest our many followers of Back to the Bible Canada. During this first week, I want to spend some time talking about our philosophical foundations. And then next week, I'll talk more about practical questions. That is, what is our methodology and why do we function the way that we do? But let's start with our philosophical approach. Why are we called Back to the Bible Canada? Well, it's for a reason. See, I think there's no higher calling than to teach the Bible. So let's start with our own statement of faith on this matter. We believe that the Bible, consisting of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is the revelation of God to mankind. So let's stop there. Notice we did not say we believe the Bible is a revelation of God. We believe that the Bible is a unique book. And by the way, that much should be apparent to any casual observer. But just in case you're not aware of it, let me set forth five ways the Bible is unique. First, the Bible is unique in the length of time over which it was written. It takes a bit to explain why we favor these dates, but without getting into the historical reasons for it, I'm going to say that the date of the Exodus, that is, the year that Israel came out of Egypt, that was 1446 B.C. And from there, they traveled to Mount Sinai, where they received the Ten Commandments. So let's assume that this time a year has passed, or some part of a year has passed. And so we now assume that the Ten Commandments were given 1445 B.C. Let's assume that the Ten Commandments are the first written form of the Word of God. That is, they were written on stone tablets. 1445 B.C., Israel actually had a Bible. A very short one, to be sure, but a Bible, a revelation of God to mankind. And then during the next 40 years, Moses would have written out what we now call the Pentateuch or the Law 
or the Torah. These comprise the first five books of our Bible, written and completed before Moses' death in the year 1406 B.C. But if we take the start of Bible composition to be the date 1445, where do the books of the Bible end? And here I would be in line with the majority of scholars who take a late date for the writing of Revelation. I would assume the book was completed somewhere between A.D. 90 to 96. And from that, we get a time of writing of the Bible to have progressed over a period of 1,500 years. One writing adds to another over a millennium and a half. Well, that's an objectively unique book. Well, the second reason the Bible is unique, it forms a unity. It tells one story, contains a central theme, covers a story that stretches from creation until the new heavens and the new earth will be revealed. It's a story of a world that fell from God's grace. It's the story of an altogether righteous God who treats rebellion against his laws as treason. And yet it's also the story of grace, of mercy, and of reconciliation. In a very real way, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 states the story of the book. That passage says, in Christ, or in his chosen Messiah, God was reconciling the world to himself. And so first, an unusually long time in completing the book, and second, in spite of the long time of writing, it contains a unity, a theme, an overarching storyline that coheres and makes sense and is persuasive. Third, the authors of the Bible who wrote over successive generations came from diverse backgrounds. On the one hand, that might not appear to be true. After all, all but one of the authors was Jewish. All were male. But after that, we noticed that some were kings like David. Others were farmers like Amos. Some were highly educated like Paul. Others had very little formal education like Peter. Some wrote in palaces and some in dungeons. And furthermore, the diverse literary styles that make up the Bible, that's really interesting. Some sections of the Bible are legal texts, and some are lengthy genealogies. Some is the recounting of history. Others wrote poetry. Some are letters, and then there is the literary form that we like to call apocalyptic literature. It's symbolic. It's highly imaginative. It's filled with startling and even terrifying images. And furthermore, the Bible was written in three different languages, and yet, in spite of that diversity, it clearly is one story. Fourth, the Bible is unique because it's a book containing verifiable history. That's to say, the Bible is not a book of mythology. It doesn't begin with the words, once upon a time in a land far away. Indeed, the Bible not only names its characters, but it also sets the times in which these events happened up against the other events that occurred during that same time period. The nations around Israel are mentioned along with some of their history. Here's but one example. 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and the book of Isaiah mention the attack of the Assyrians against Judah, including the siege of Jerusalem. The Bible mentions the king of Assyria as well as his commander. We know from other archaeological finds not only that these were real human beings in history, but also that the siege of Jerusalem is mentioned in other historical texts as well. In other words, the Bible is not mythology, it's history. It mentions times and lands and cultures and real events. The Bible's accounts are at various points verified by historians. Years ago, there was quite a stir when a stone was discovered in the ancient city of Caesarea that actually had the name Pontius Pilate engraved upon it. 
Indeed, Dr. Craig Evans says that historians now use the Bible as a primary text in understanding the history of the ancient peoples of the Near East. Finally, and fifth, the Bible is unique because it has outsold every book in history. It's been translated into more languages than any book in history, and the Bible has shaped whole civilizations and cultures. And furthermore, it transcends the time so that it does feel as if God is speaking to us today. Now, of course, saying all of that does not prove that the Bible is the revelation of God to mankind. But I would say that if God had a revelation of himself to mankind, you'd have to expect it would come in a book that was unlike any other book in human possession, and that is precisely what we have. However, we must not be unaware that there are numerous critics of the Bible. There are those who argue that the creation account in the Bible doesn't square with modern science and that the creation accounts in other ancient texts have similarities to the Bible. Critics love to say that this proves that at some points the Bible is a book of mythology in which Bible writers adopted worldviews that were prevalent in the culture, worldviews we now know to be false. And so even while we can prove that at points it's a reliable guide to real history, isn't it also true that at times the Bible makes mistakes? Well, we don't think so. Indeed, a part of our statement of faith says that we believe that the Bible is verbally and fully inspired by God, that it is infallible and inerrant in all that it teaches. Skeptics will say that's just naive. We don't think so. And so over the next coming days, I want to lay out our conviction that the Bible is true in everything it affirms without any admixture of error. Stay with me for the next two weeks while we set our case. Why we at Back to the Bible Canada believe the Bible and why we believe that communicating the contents of the Bible to our country and to the world is worthy of our time and our partnership with you. Thanks so much, John. You know, I got to ask you a question. What do you say to those people that suggest that if you believe in the Bible, you're just naive? Well, I suspect people who say that probably think that the Bible is outdated, And, uh, you know, but that's been said so often in the past. I I love to tell the story of uh, once uh, teaching Bible to a group of young pastors in Romania in the very place where the communists had once owned that building. And they had basically uh, told everybody that Christianity was one generation away uh, from simply ceasing to exist. And now I was teaching a group of young uh, pastors in that very place where communism had ceased to exist. The Bible is here to stay. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, A Mission for Ministry, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Whether on radio, online, in print, podcast, or YouTube, God continues to use this ministry to guide people back to the Bible and to encourage and equip them to search more deeply into Scripture. One listener wrote to say, God used your radio ministry to lead me to saving faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God, still learning and growing daily. Another wrote, I have just recently found Jesus and I'm grateful to be able to listen to your program while I'm at work. I have learned so much and you help bring me closer to God. You know, we recognize that this ministry could not be sustained without like-hearted, like-minded partners in mission 
right across Canada. Thank you for your prayers and support. And if you'd like to know more or make a gift toward our fiscal year-end campaign, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.